called Jesse, aka the Bizzle. Oh, the Bizzle. Thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle. Thank you, the Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, Bizzlecast listeners, welcome back to the Bizzlecast. Great to have you all back. Uh, we have Brick Girl back today, thank God, after uh, quite a hiatus. Um, for those of you yeah. who hybrid, what, uh, so, so really quickly, um, I just want the Bizzlecast listeners to know, if, if you guys have been listening to my Jedi Geek Girl podcast, you know that I recorded a couple podcasts about a month or so ago, right before my computer died. And I did a great one with Jedi Geek Girl and a great one with Brit, like back to back, and the computer went poof. Um, I have a new computer. I didn't lose anything major. Um, but by the time I got my new computer going and everything was working and then I had to cover Black Panther and I had other stuff going on and then there was Batgirl news that wasn't very good that we're not going to talk about mm-hmm. for now. And so a lot of the podcast, it was just, it, it, uh, it never really made sense to put out. So that one and the Jedi Geek Girl one, unfortunately, are going to be in the Bizzlecast archives for now. But the good news is we got Brick Girl on for live reaction it's not live oh god i'm sick people <laughs> i'm warning you ahead of time um so brit's gonna be uh carrying this one along a little bit but we're gonna talk tomb raider um we also might talk a little black panther and superhero news update but i'm thinking we might do a separate podcast i might go on brick girl's podcast so brick girl great to have you on to talk about tomb raider and i do apologize about the lost podcast but we're moving forward and uh yeah Ooh, the Lost Podcast. Yeah, yeah. Jenna that Geek sounds Girl like calls it episode it zero. <laughs> episode zero. This is just it, it's well in Star Wars. It sounds like something you would retrieve in the oh in yeah the, uh, the depths of you know the archives and the Death Star, and then like yeah. the Lost archived sounds like something in Tomb Raider oh, yeah. going into like. Yamatai into the secret temples. <laughs> you know, there were lots of prequel jokes going on once uh, Jedi Geek Girl made the episode zero thing and how Star Wars is obsessed with prequels to the prequels to the prequels to the prequels. But <laughs> that's for another time. Although Tomb Raider is a prequel of sorts, that may be one thing we talk about is where this fits into the wider Tomb Raider universe. But really quick, Britt, it's great to have you on. Um, I think we'll cut mostly to the chase here because I really want to hear your thoughts about the movie. But have you been doing uh, okay? Uh, in general, how are things uh, down under? Down under, bro. Mm-hmm. All right, mate. Well, down under. <laughs> Listen, it's been stinking hot, like flipping heck, mate. Stone the Flaming Crows. I've been like dealing with some pretty freaking big humidity. So I had to drop off to the bottle, get myself some stubbies, and you know, do all- <laughs> just chucking a few Aussie Aussie slang in there. Welcome, kids, to the Australian I, lingo. I'm overlaying a translation after the fact onto all this. Although I have to look up oh, everything you actually, just said because I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> I would just be interested to see what your listeners translate that to. I'll, okay. I'll send you the, the translation. Yeah. And you can compare it. Yeah. And we can give the, the winner a shout out or something. Well, there you have it. Okay, folks. So, yeah. yeah. So, email me or, or tweet me. You know where to find me or on Facebook. And uh, I will send something cool, like a Rogue One DVD or something, to the winner. Um, uh, yeah. You might want to limit that to Australia. I mean, America, because that costs a lot to send overseas. <laughs> the postage the, here is ridiculous. Yeah, and the region um, code differences and all that nonsense. Yeah. But I just saw Tomb Raider last night. Britt, this is something we've talked about almost from the beginning. <laughs> um, let's get the, the baggage out of the way. It was mediocre reviews, decent audience reception here, not making a lot of money. It's not looking good for... If I know trends on 
rebooting franchises or trying to start new video game franchises like Assassin's Creed or Warcraft, both of which bombed domestically. Uh, it's not, probably not looking great. There are some reasons w- that we might still see a sequel, um, and we'll see what the legs are like here. The box office is not amazing, and the reviews are kind of split, which is what you'd expect for a movie like this, but I don't care about that. Mm. You love the Tomb Raider franchise. We've had some great podcasts about it. We devoted an entire podcast to it, which I re-listened to the Absolutely. other day, and it was fantastic. Um, and so I want to know what you thought about the Alicia Vikander Tomb Raider reboot-ish, which is pretty heavily based on the reboot of the franchise and the video games in recent years. Yeah, very heavily based on those. Um, I, I actually saw it with my dad. When my dad have this thing when there's a superhero or like a pop culture sort of movie like this, we just have to go see it. I'm going to take him to see Black Panther as well. Unfortunately, I've already seen it, but you know, it'll be good. Um I will not deny that this film has flaws. There are things that irked me a little bit, but there are also things that, well, those very same things other people have loved. So I've come to realize as a critic that I can accept that I don't like things and still love the film. And I've also come to accept that the things I don't like, someone else is going to go nuts over and enjoy. And I think that's great because art, Film really is art, and we forget that. We think it's just for the um, the masses, when it's it's not really art. It's for a, a specific audience for people to enjoy. And hell was this for the gamers? Mm. Honestly, I um when I played these games, I'm not. I can't remember if I said in the last podcast when I played those Tomb Raider games starting in 2013. I, mm-hmm. I probably got that <laughs> year wrong. When I played no, that you got game, it right. my heart was pounding through my chest you grow with lara in this game you honestly you go from uh terrified running from a from a guy in the cavern who's like a cannibal trying to eat you after being stabbed by like some metal pole and then you go to climbing the top of a mountain in yamatai yelling expletives at the bad guys while trying to save your best friend and you do that as the player as well it's a fantastic you know, character arc and development. Mm. And you definitely feel, you feel a lot of those emotions in this film. And I loved that they pulled that across, especially with the, um, the bike scene at the start, the, um, what else was there? The boat scene had me terrified. The boat scene Mm. is terrifying for me. And, and this is the funny thing because I was in Navy Cadets and I'm terrified of like capsizing on a boat like that. <laughs> so it wasn't a career for me. Um, you also live on a giant island surrounded by I the meanest sharks and other creatures on the planet. I am quite possibly the whitest Australian you will meet. <laughs> and <laughs> I'd like to say it's because of my Scottish heritage, but no, it's because I find myself in front of the laptop more often than I am outside. Nerd. Um, absolutely. I'm going to wear that badge. <laughs> Um, Alicia Vikander brought an emotional level to Lara Croft that was insane. Like, mm-hmm. you felt every hit that she got. And you know what's interesting? Mm. Just jumping on a side note, I almost yeah. forgot about this. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. She didn't really have a love interest. Thank God. Like, she... Yeah, but she... There could be something, like, there was nothing hinted at. I didn't see anything hinted at with Lou Ren. And maybe they might build that in the future. I don't know. The Indian fella at the start in the business that she delivered food for had a crush on her. But beyond that, she was just her. There was no love interest. There was just survival. And I think that is so real. 
Because, I mean, if you've crashed on, like, an island, you're not going to be like, ooh, save me, Lurin. You're going to be like, holy crap, how do I get out of here? How do I, you know, survive to the next day and actually get home? Hmm. But, um, but that's not the only big real thing that this film did. And I think this is, this is going back to our discussion before the podcast in that I'm kind of tired of films making CGI mass armies. So, for example, the eye, Eyes of the Adversary in Suicide Squad, the uh, Chitari in Avengers, the, um, the Parademons in Justice League, although they're great for, like, this paranormal or, you know, alien army that the, bad, the good guys have to face, there's no consequences. Yeah, you're not killing humans, and that's the loophole. That's why they can stick with a lower rating. Giant, Humans aren't being uh, sorry. Giant superhero team up movies are, in my book, if done well, always allowed to get away with it because if it's not a rated R movie, you need lots of faceless, non-human bad guys who the good guys can, you know, explore how powerful yeah. they are on and unleash their righteous fury and destroy them all but and not offend people. <laughs> I agree with all your points, and we'll have a discussion later about CGI and Wait. we can talk about all the faceless stuff. But, yeah, they certainly did not give into that in this movie, and I give them credit for that. No, there is weight to death, and I haven't seen that in a film in a very long time. Lara taking her first life was so heavy and so emotional, and that's what's been missing in a lot of films. Because taking a life could, shouldn't be as easy as, pow, oh, no, I killed someone. Okay, moving on. That scene was incredible. She was fighting for her life. You don't know what that guy was going to do, whether or not it was just going to capture her, take her back to base, whether he was going to assault her, take her back to base, whether he was going to kill her, take her back to base. There were so many different options. She was really fighting for her life there. And the way that Alicia Vikander really fought for that scene, the way that she, I don't know, portrayed it, was incredible, and that's missing in so many films nowadays. Mm-hmm. The weight of taking a life. Yeah, certainly in popcorn PG-13 movies, that's indeed the mm. case. Because <clears throat> I, I understand why you don't want to show um, young adults like a murder or anything like that. You don't want to show some heavy stuff. But at the same time, like, why not? Because if you, if I showed a kid that scene as opposed to a scene where left, right, and center, you're beating up the bad guys, la, 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 you are proving to a kid that life is worth something, that it should weigh heavily, that you should think about taking a life, mm-hmm. that you should respect another person and stuff. And I, I don't know, I just feel like that scene has so many layers to it and it's so amazing and a lot of films can, can learn from it, really. Hmm. A lot of writers and actors could learn from it, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Um, I'm going to ask you a couple questions before I, I weigh in on my opinion, um, if that's cool with you. Um, yep, that's cool. And again, I'm, I'm, part I'm of that is because I've been <laughs> fighting, as I told Britt before the podcast, I've been fighting a cold a week. And I'm on a little cold. I'm on a little, uh, some cold medication. And uh, so um, I'm going to be not as interruptive and overly passionate today sorry bizzlecast listeners I've, <laughs> I've gotten so many opinions out in that like part so how long did i speak for my goodness it was great okay so first question this Shoot. this movie was almost directly lifted from the 2013 reboot 
um, mm. in a lot of ways. There was a couple ways it differed, and the are we only- talking spoilers? Because I kind of just went for it. Oh yeah, we're going into. If, sorry guys, I'll uh, I'll, I'll put spoilers <laughs> in the uh, headline or, or the copy of the the thing. Yeah, we're we're spoiling. No yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've seen the movie, go no see mercy. the movie now and come back. We'll still be here. Finish him. <laughs> <laughs> This great city. Oh, sorry. Uh, oh, uh, hi there, Bane. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hiya, Bane. Welcome it's to Mickey Mouse's Clubhouse. Um, oh, don't get me started on Tom Hardy and Venom. Ugh. Uh, but <laughs> I would argue that the ways it differed from the video game were the biggest failings of the movie. Um, but before we get there, what did you think they... Because let's be honest, the new Tomb Raider and the old Tomb Raider are very different. I mean, it's almost completely different characters. We'll see how they grow. We've had the 2013 Tomb Raider reboot, which was a little uneven just because it was in... It was right when the new generation of platforms were coming out, so they had to make it for PS3, PS4, Xbox 360, Xbox One, computer, a staggered release, like with Dragon Age, a bunch of these franchises crossing over, the th- and then uh, crossing over um, to the new uh, console, and then they released Rise of the Tomb Raider a couple of years later, which was, uh, I mean, the, the the first reboot was very well received. Rise was even better received. Some people had it as one of their mm-hmm. you know games of the year in 2015, and they've announced the third Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which has long been r- just rumored. Recently- yeah but they've been dropping hints for over a year now and they finally announced it um and uh which is awesome news because they seem to be getting better and better and the technology gets better and the system gets better and they understand the character better but this character is very different than the original tomb raider video game lara croft and angelina jolie interpretation of that video game which is a discussion i want to Mm -hmm. go into more depth a little bit later um but Considering that you and I, at least, and hardcore fans knew that this was based on the recent video games, what were some of the better parts of the adaptation? Uh, you, you already mentioned a couple, but I'd be interested to hear you flesh them out or, or, or talk about some other ones. Well, discussing with my dad, this was the interesting thing, is he didn't actually know it was a reboot. He was sort of under the impression it was a continuation on from Angelina Jolie's films. <clears throat> so he kind of got the gist of it, obviously, but it was just interesting hearing that. I was just like, oh, I probably should have told you. Um, the the success in um, the three, okay, the first three quarters were heavily based on the game. If not taking events straight from gameplay, they had scenes that could have been in the video game. Like that bicycle with the fox and the hounds, mm-hmm. the chase there, beautiful that is i am oh, that's pretty much up there as my favorite one of my favorite scenes in like films my other favorite scene is from kill bill when she finds out she's pregnant and the assassin has come to kill her so it's up there with that those are those are some of my favorite wow. scenes yeah um just because of how it got me my heart pumping and that's that's the thing it's taken stuff from the games and probably because i played the games that it really related to those those yes. things I'd done. And again, this is very in. high praise, people, because Brittany had very high hopes and expectations for, <laughs> yeah. for, for this movie. And so that, that's, that's always a great sign early on where you can get that invested in what's going on. Oh, yeah. Um, the last quarter, there is the idea was there, and I loved the idea that the, 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 the writers had been like, um, they'd built this into the film as well, that 
supernatural and uh, mystical events are always based on some sort of fact. And I loved that. uh, Is Yamatai the island or the... Mm -hmm. Uh, which one was the queen? Kim? I don't know, but Yamatai is the island in both the game and the uh, Yamatai is the island. Well, the, the, the queen, the Yamatai's queen, um, I'm, she's not really the queen of Yamatai. But anyway, <laughs> her being a carrier and actually being loved by her people and sacrificing herself to take the disease with her to the grave, that is brilliant. And that was a huge spoiler. But <laughs> um, I don't think the climax fitted the rest of the film. I felt like it just wasn't grand enough to, to I don't know, fit with how intense everything else was. Mm-hmm. It was definitely a great idea. They just didn't quite execute it right. It's like they had gone to the third draft of the final scene and they're like, okay, that's fine. That'll do. And didn't push for something that was insane, something crazy. They could have gone supernatural and that would have been awesome. I think they could have pulled it off, especially how people are very that. acceptable – yeah. Well, I mean, like, they've, they've We'll get back to the Uncharted stuff later yeah. because. Um, yeah. But the, the, the big thing that I didn't think really was executed well or wasn't a very good ad, ad, addition to the story is um, her dad coming back. I think doing this twist, and this is a feeling I have for Jessica Jones as well, doing a qu- twist where such a. No spoilers on Another JJ. person's. <laughs> a person's d- oh dang it yeah. now i can't talk about this sorry you can be vague uh, i don't really i'm not a big spoiler person but i have only seen four or five jj episodes so we might have to deal well, some of that later having someone that is dead that's so pivotal to creating the main character and then bringing them back yeah is a disappointing tactic it's not an a, like a, a, a fantastic twist unless you do something like with um flashpoint where Bruce Wayne's parents are dead. Flashpoint happens. Alternate universe. Now Bruce Wayne is dead and his parents are alive. Something like that is very interesting and it's made for one of the best comics in DC history. But having Richard Croft come back to have him never have died, I think that pulled back from the, the weight of the film. I, I know we someone had to die. Someone close to... Um, to Lara Croft had to die at no, the end. And I think maybe there should have been a third person on the boat that they took to Yamatai. And if they didn't want to go the love interest route, maybe they could have pulled from the game again and had her had mm-hmm. Lara's best friend or something come with her. Losing a best friend would be quite pivotal in building a person. Like That would definitely make her feel quite vengeance, vengeant towards um, Trinity? Is it tri- Yeah, it's Trinity she fights. Um mm-hmm. So there are different ways they could have gone about it, and I don't think bringing the dad back was a great choice. In saying that, that is actually what some of my friends loved about it, and so it's very interesting having that that difference of opinion. Right. Okay. I'm going to take the the burden off you for a couple minutes here. Shoot, I've got my coffee. I'm happy to listen. I did not like this movie. <laughs> but I, I'm not going to say I'm terribly disappointed because there was nothing that got me excited past the trailer that we talked about eight, six months ago. There yeah. were no subsequent trailers or any information. And the fact that the money shot with the two guns was literally the last shot of the movie. 
just showed that they I don't think the writers had a handle on this material. Yeah. Um I hated that McNulty was alive. Sorry, that's the wire that's his wire character. Um Dominic West, her dad. I told you Richard, yeah. I told you in our discussion that I thought he was alive. You're like, no, 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 he's dead in all the games. I'm like, eh. Yeah. And well, I hated to be yeah. right, but I was right. And I also good, hated good to be right about this being a Jin Urso light story with Sprout and Stardust. Brittany, let me phrase it this way. The thing I was least excited about by far going into Rogue One was the daddy-daughter story. Because it almost never works and is almost always overly done and overly sentimental, which is what happened in the Tomb Raider movie. The fact yeah. that I love the Jin Galen Urso story is a testament to amazing writing and execution in those actors, their chemistry, and just Rogue One being a transcendent piece of film, in my opinion. But I was not excited about going into that movie. And so when my worst fears came true, and a very well-fed, after seven years in the wilderness, on this tiny island, um, Dominic West, very unconvincing uh, that he had been hiding all the time. I don't even care about any of that. But as much as I like the London stuff at the beginning, it was great world building and character building. What the video game did awesome is throw you right into the shit from the beginning and make you as the player have to piece together what's going on from moment one. And it's way more effective. For example, you know, uh, what? Maybe one third into the movie when she she narrowly escapes like in the video game the biggest problem with the video game is that she's constantly being tortured chased and narrowly escaping and it's just exhausting and she's Uh, not overpowered like Aloy and Horizon and so you feel like a victim and people complained with the first video game that she was borderline overly victim uh you know for a Lara Croft character there was a rape rapey scene in the the first reboot video game which I'm glad they didn't explore in the movie although I actually don't think was inappropriate in the video game but it's become like rape porn uh it's pretty ugly no Um, there's a story behind that no um one of the directors in an interview said offhandedly oh man she gets raped in this film but he's saying that in a sense that she gets destroyed like no, she no, no, gets no. really beaten oh, that's not even what I'm talking. i didn't know that any of that i'm talking about the video yeah. game in the video game, no, the video game when she's is, first captured the guy is definitely about to rape her and you have to do a series of qte quick time and that's what people didn't like was that it came down to like mashing buttons at the right time to stop you from being raped it was a little exploitative early on in that game with this new Lara Croft character, I think was the problem. In but the fact that, that she'd be, oh, hold on. The fact that yeah. this Lara Croft, who is not overpowered, who isn't experienced, who's much younger and, you know, more naive and so forth and not trained is very realistic that a bunch of psychopathic, you know, warmongering barbarians would try to rape her is extremely realistic. Um, and so I actually didn't have a problem with it in the video game. I just know it was controversial and, and, and p- made people feel uncomfortable, which is fine. Um, and it's a very fine line because this is not the Angelina Jolie kicking ass left and right from moment one. And that's the whole point of her character is she's just yeah. learning how to do this stuff. And while I appreciate that they followed the video game's lead, 
what they don't have time in 90 minutes to do is all the training and character building both narratively and in terms of her actual skills and fighting that you get to do in the video game and slowly power up over time. Mm. And, you know, they, they in movies, you don't want to get these characters go from zero to 60 too quickly that you don't even believe it unless it's Star Wars and it's Rey with the Force. And then you're like, okay, she's mm. using the Force. But at the same time, by the time she finally starts kicking ass at the end, she's mostly been running and screaming and panting and falling and getting smacked around for most of the movie. And I don't think that Tomb Raider has enough um, uh, depth, for lack of a better word. Um, It's not supposed to. You can afford to toe that line willy-nilly. And I think... They, they they followed the video game too close in some areas and not others. And so this is where I want to be more specific in my criticism, which is when you look at this and you look at Warcraft, you look at Assassin's Creed, other recent attempts almost all failed from one angle or another to, 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 to you know put the very popular video games into movies that nobody sees and get critically panned and even the fans don't end up liking, um, at least not across the board. So you've got this as a Tomb Raider movie, you've got it as a video game movie in the broader sense, and then you've got it as, um, uh, you know, just like a blockbuster action adventure movie, right? Those are the three levels Mm. I'm kind of looking at it on. And I don't think it really succeeded in any of those things. And I think if you had made a movie out of the best parts of the video game with Alicia Vikander, and I wasn't a fan of a lot of the casting as well, but that's not, I think the writing was the bigger problem. I think the more dramatic parts of the video game this was based on was far more interesting, even just the cutscenes um, from a writing standpoint than the movie. I don't like how de-emphasized the archaeology aspect was. I don't like how de-emphasized the supernatural aspect was. I think it would have been much... Oh, oh to get back to my original point, um, and again, I apologize people if I'm all over the place more than usual. Um, head's a little foggy. What I was trying to say was, you know, early on when she escapes, she gets the, the arrow thing through her, her uh, lower abdomen or whatever that she has to take out. You oh, know? it's a piece of bark, yeah. Yeah, it's a piece of bark. Don't pull it out! It's a plug! So if you really wanted her to have... If you really wanted her to have the, you know, Jenner so meeting her dad moment or whatever, have it be a hallucination that you as a watcher and her as a character aren't sure is real or not. Can they, I continue they, that point? Yeah, one second. So, so, let me it. just finish this. The, the hallucination went the wrong way. Having him hallucinate, hallucinating her would have been great if it was, in fact, her hallucinating him the whole time, even if, as an audience member, you knew in the back of your mind that she was hallucinating. And I turned to my dad, and my dad will confirm this, and I said, this better be a... I know it's not, Dad. I can tell. I've seen too many movies. I know how these things work. It's not a hallucination, but I hope this is a fucking hallucination. And I proceeded to shake my head back and forth for like an hour. I was really, really, really unhappy even though yeah. I partially expected this to happen. And 
I love in the game that you're picking up journal fragments from her friend, from the psychopathic killer, mm. from the uh, the ancient times, the Japanese, from her dad. I mean, how much how much cooler would it have been if she kept stumbling across little pieces of video footage or written text and stuff, and you just sort of heard from his her voice in Absolutely. her head or or little clips of footage that he was leaving during his investigation, rather than blowing your load with that whole video recording and and the hidden. Uh, tomb at the very beginning in his grave or whatever have that be an ongoing thing that she learns on the island it was like they wanted all the exposition up front and then all the mystery was gone and then when he was real i was i was out i, I that was the problem with me is i have a lot of tolerance for these movies but like with the justice league which i continue to defend Justice League was way better than I was expecting. And I I had less low expectations than most people going into it. And I still ended up liking it more than I thought I would. But I knew what I was getting. And they didn't do anything major to throw me off the path of just having a good time. But the sentimentality in this movie was so over the top. Even though it wasn't a straight up love interest. um, uh, Freaking. I mean. Look, look. I'm just going to say this on the third two. Daniel Wu, it seems like a lovely guy. He's had some interesting roles. He is not a great actor. He's not, he's not going to carry a very weakly written semi love interest. who all of a sudden gets non-alcoholic and wants to save the world without much convincing. I mean, I think he more wants uh, to just get out alive instead of saving yeah. the world. So anyways, I apologize. My thoughts are all over the place. I just I I could just tell early on in this film that it wasn't going to be what I wanted, but it also wasn't going to surprise me in any meaningful way. That being said, I love Alicia Vikander, but she's not Scarlett Johansson, and she's certainly not Angelina Jolie in the late '90s in terms of her box office draw and her confidence, and just you know what I mean, like. She's a very subtle mm. actress. She's awesome in Ex Machina. And the Danish girl, she wasn't very good in the Bourne movie and these broader roles, I don't think, take advantage of her skills very well. It's like how Natalie Portman is better in small movies and not blockbuster movies. You know, like, it's... Mm. I, 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 look, there were some very sexist reviews out there that basically said, this movie was bad because Alicia Vikander wasn't convincing as someone who could kick ass. That never settles... because. You know, sits well with me because Felicity Jones and Daisy Ridley, neither of them are particularly large individuals, and they both very convincingly kick ass. Gal Gadot, who people also shamed as being not strong enough or big enough or whatever to be Wonder Woman, is now inarguably the greatest female superhero on screen we have ever seen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay. So I don't want to hear about her size and the fight scenes were great. They're very reminiscent of like Rocky and Creed and stuff like that. Brutal hand to hand. That was where the movie shown. No doubt. As did, I'll, I'll leave on a positive before I throw this back to you because I know you have tons of thoughts and responses. When we finally got notes. the fucking chain, you know, levels of chains and her doing the Uncharted Tomb Raider Indiana Jones thing, I was like, fucking finally. But by then it was too late. I was already, I was already lost by pre- predictable plot, uninteresting characters, including a villain who, by the way, was the villain in the 
critically acclaimed, justified television show, which is my dad's favorite show other than Breaking Bad and The Wire. And he says he's the best bad guy in television ever. And they gave him completely one-dimensional writing. He wasn't even as interesting as the psychopath in the, the, the game that he was based on. So yeah. I thought the writing let them down. And I don't know why Alicia Vikander didn't have some sort of say in saying, I really want to do this project, guys, but this script needs a major second uh, right overhaul before we go forward on it. Maybe she doesn't have that kind of cachet, even though she's won an Oscar and been in critically acclaimed roles. Go ahead. Yeah, so first off, I want to agree with you on a lot of points. And I didn't even realize it was missing this, but this is would have made the film even better. The archaeology, the supernatural, which I sort of touched on. The archaeology stuff was, was unforgivable. That's so yeah. by far the thing that sets Tomb Raider apart and with the original games and the original movie. And my biggest complaint about the video game is that they relegate the Tomb Raiding to like these optional subquests where you're like, oh my God, the world's ending and all my friends are dying. But let me trance around this tomb a little bit and talk about all these yeah. archaeology <laughs> things. Doesn't fit at all. I, I think, yeah. even though I enjoyed the Tomb Raider video game this is based on, and I'm excited to play Rise of the Tomb Raider, um, and I'm excited for Shadow of the Tomb Raider, I'm glad the franchise is back, this version of Tomb Raider is nowhere near as cool and distinct as the original, in my opinion. And, and that is the that was the movie's maybe biggest mistake, was thinking that it was. I think that... Um just going, continuing my agreeing points. I agree that the journals should have been there to slowly litter throughout the film, so that she could learn different things. Like maybe the, her dad did escape them for a little bit and was trying to keep notes and tracks and to actually solve the puzzle himself, so we can lead Matthias um, away from the actual place to go to. But in order to do that, I think that instead of putting her dad in there, they should have had an assistant or or a colleague of Richard that she could have envisioned, Oh my gosh, that's my dad. I need help. And when she comes to after being stitched up, she can be like, Oh heck, you're the colleague. You're not my dad. I think that would have been heartbreaking. That would have been, I would have been destroyed. Um, And you know what was missing? And I think you sort of touched on it, but I'm not, I'm not quite sure if you meant this, the climbing, the sneaking and the climb, like she had a little bit of sneaking and there was and little Matthias's slivers of climbing tent. and jumping and running, but mm. it never really came together the way I thought they could do, even with a relatively low budget that this movie had. It should be said, budget of a hundred million dollars for a movie like this, very ambitious. Ooh, yeah, and I think you could kind of see this um, in the the CGI. And and here's the thing: I always I always pick on the computer graphics, but it didn't really bother me in this film. Sometimes it does, and we had we had a bit of a heated discussion about Cavill's mas- mustache from Justice League, but it didn't bother me in this. It's film. Not heated on it my actually- end. All I'm saying is, if people <laughs> if people are hung up on Cavill's mustache as a reason for Justice League failing, then everybody failed. The makers failed. The Warner Brothers failed. The press failed. The audience failed. E- everyone failed. Because I knew it was there, staring me in the face, the, the Cavill mustache thing. But the movie was so much cooler than I thought, and his performance was so much greater than I thought, that I didn't give a fuck. And that's, and that's good. It's like what I was saying with um, the dad, how I didn't like it, but someone else li- uh, liked it. So the difference there is very... It's an awesome um, discussion topic. But going, going back to uh, people saying that Alicia Vikando didn't sell her 
fighting. That's that's I fringe she elements. Sold it completely. Yeah, that's fringe elements. She was she was so freaking cool. Yeah, honestly, She's if I not was a been, little girl, I yeah. I would love this film just as much as the other Tomb Raiders. No, no, just, little, just uh, in fact, for, I for the record, I'm just pointing that out because I'm it's the Bizzle cast. I got to point out the idiots on the fringe. Even oh yeah, the many many reviewers who didn't love or like this movie, the criticism of Vikander was near the bottom of their list of complaints, from what I mm. can tell. And I think having her as this character that wasn't very confident. I mean, she was in ways confident in herself, but she wasn't. She's not the old Tomb Raider yet. And I think that is why it worked for me because she's not the original uh, Angelina Jolie character. She's not from the older games, which are like pixels and square boobs. Um, she's, she's fresh to this and to expect her to be completely badass going into a ship direct situation in this possibly supernatural Island covered in men who have potentially not been with anyone in a very long time is terrifying and of course you're going to be scared and i think that is why i liked how she sold lyra croft um and to say that she wasn't strong enough or whatever is just like get out you're an idiot (laughs) i don't often say someone else's opinion is idiotic but there we go um Finally, back to your first note. I literally sold, made notes on these. So I could, uh, okay, just yeah. one really quick. She sold the new Lara Croft, but she's nothing like yes. the original the original video game slash Angelina Jolie Lara Croft. I'm not saying no. one is objectively better than the other. I'm just saying it's not the same character. No, and to expect the same thing is stupid. Yeah, because sure. it'd be like expecting... Um, expecting someone with 10 years of experience for a role that is just starting. It's like, no, that doesn't happen. Bruce Wayne wasn't the world's best detective when he was the 10 year old boy where his parents got shot. Yeah. You know, it's just like, that's an exaggeration, but there we go. Um, And finally, on the final note to do with uh, your discussion on the wonderful film, Tomb Raider, the two guns money shot, as you called it, that shouldn't have been the end. In fact, that should have been the three quarter point. Yep. Imagine if the finger did, or the disease did get back to London and Lara Croft had to find a way to stop it. She could actually confront, um, I guess her stepmom or her guardian. What was the lady's name again? I could kind of tell she was a bad guy from the start. I know, Miller, she looks sort of like was. Trish Walker's mom from season one of Jessica Jones. I don't know who that actress oh, is. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's funny. Were they trying to hide that she was the bad guy from the very beginning? Cause they didn't do a very good job. Well, it's kind of like when they sat down, I thought to myself, it's either the guy reading the will or it's her. No, two One minutes into the movie, I'm going to my dad. I'm going, she's the bad guy. She's the bad guy. She's the yeah. bad guy. She's the bad guy. I mean, I, I'm okay game, with movies telegraph it, you know? I mean, yeah. you know, my fucking favorite movies are Star Wars. We know who the bad guys are. It's not about hiding it. It's about selling the characters, selling the motivations and selling the mm. scariness of it. Like, But I like how she is the bad guy, but you could sort of... Like she she <laughs> she isn't really she's the bad guy but she's not the bad guy she wasn't abusive to lara croft she if she was lara's guardian it looks like she gave lara a pretty good upbringing but because yeah, she didn't want her snooping around that make but at the, yeah but i mean like it wasn't a harry potter situation it's yeah, but, like uh, this no, character no, was no, a, a nice human being Go, terrible beliefs is if, what i'm saying if you're a writer pick a direction 
if you really want us to buy that they have a relationship, have them hug and kiss and have it no, you know, no apparent suspicion on Lara's face. If I'm the writer, if I'm trying to sell this thing, whether the audience believes it or not, but right from the beginning, they've got these extended shots of Lara looking suspiciously at this woman we've never met before. So what else are we supposed Mm -hmm. to think? Well, I was kind of thinking along the lines, maybe perhaps this woman once, like I knew she was the bad guy, but I thought maybe perhaps it was being portrayed as, Lara was afraid that she was going to reach in to take the money or it was like a money sort of thing. But this is the thing. I like having a villain you can you can actually like. A, a caring person who also has misguided beliefs like that and is has a, like a business like Trinity behind her. I think that is a very interesting character because you hate that. How can you hate someone who tried to take care of you? It would be very difficult to. Yeah. So I I like that they sort of did that. I'm not They've saying I don't like uh, that they size. did it. I'm not saying I dislike that they did it. I just don't think they sold it through the writing uh, and the of time on screen together or anything. I mean, we were yeah, just they could have done it better. I'm to not going to deny that. I mean, look, I like the Warcraft movie. Okay, and real fans of the the Warcraft mythology like the Warcraft movie, but realize how flawed it was. It also suffered from the same levels of over-sentimentality and selling relationships they have no time to sell, but also building up these very complex and seemingly interesting worlds that they're never going to get to explore because they didn't make a complete great movie. And so they're not going to make money and they didn't get great reviews. And so none of these things are going to get explored. So Warcraft spent a whole film and Warcraft's very fun. I mean, at least in Warcraft, you're in a fantastical world and there's cool looking orcs mm, very and it's fighting and it's pretty and it's fun and it's fantastical. It's a, a alternative vision to Lord of the Rings, which is all we have in fantasy basically. And it's like, but it was basically the entire original first Warcraft game from 94 or whatever. Then they were already assuming a trilogy, which will never happen. Even though Warcraft, by the way, made like half a billion dollars because of China. It's still yeah, not going to get made. It was big overseas. It was huge in China, but, um, but Tomb Raider is not going to get to see all the stuff that it set up. And I totally agree with you. That money shot should have been much earlier in the film and either don't spend so much time in London with these relationships in the beginning and the world building. If you're not going to go back or else do what the video game did and just drop us directly onto the mm-hmm. island and have us piece it together that would have been way more interesting would be what, what the video game did well and by the way i think most of what worked in the video game had nothing to do with it being tomb raider like i didn't really feel like it was the same franchise and i was fine with it other than by name like the lore that it, it was just a totally different character and situation time in her life whatever type of story um, I'm not saying it couldn't have been from the same world. It just didn't feel like it. It's also been a very long time. But what the, what the video game great is dropping you right in, having you piece it together with Lara, and you're kind of in a semi-hallucinogenic <laughs> you know, uh, haze like she is while you're playing it because things are so crazy and you're trying to figure out what's going mm-hmm. on. They should have done one or the other, and they tried to, to bur- you know, find a middle ground. And it just, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a valiant effort because we are, I think I... I did enjoy this movie a lot more than any other video game movie I've seen. And I think that's because I was, I had a close yeah, connection with much. the original stuff. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I know. I mean, but the funny thing, it's just like, um, I understand what you're saying. And that's a very good, to- a very good point is that they did try and find a middle ground between the video game world and the mainstream world to make this film. 
And I think companies might need to keep tinkering to find the method that works in bringing these games to the big screen. Yeah. And I think, yeah, if this is, you know, one step closer to getting an actually really good video game film, then I think it's a step in the right direction. Okay. Yes, it is flawed, Okay, but it, it, was, it had its really good elements. Let's hone in on the thing that you said you weren't a huge fan of. I hated, but you said you had some friends who, who they liked. And again, I, I, I'm sorry about the Rogue One connections, but I have to make them because they're so blatant. Um, you could tell in the trailers, and it was even more so in the movie. But, it, but mostly from a literary standpoint, I want to connect it. So... I said when I went to Rogue One, the thing I really wasn't excited about was the daddy thing, and I ended up loving it. The second thing I wasn't, did not want to see in Rogue One was a love story, and I ended up falling in love with Diego Luna because, again, the performances and the writing, and it was very understated. In mm. this movie, I didn't want it, and then I was like, all right, we'll just have him kiss already, and then I was like, well, why is this guy even here? You know, It was like I, I didn't know what I wanted that character to be, you, know? you mean Lou Ren? Uh, yeah, Daniel Wu's character. Yeah, yeah. But and, and let's look at let's look at the comparison here. I know you haven't seen Rogue One nearly as much as me, but you know the story. You know the characters. Okay. So yeah, why is it important that Jin's dad is alive in Star Wars? Well, to begin with, I'm giving Tomb Raider a bit of a handicap here because you know Star Wars is drawing from 40 years of mythology. And yeah. as soon as you hear the word Death Star and see Darth Vader, it already stirs up so much. So it's not really a fair comparison, but there are a lot of similarities. Well, it's important that her dad is alive, not so we get the sappy moment of him dying in her arms, but because he's the one that's going to create the flaw in the Death Star that basically makes the original trilogy possible. And she has to be the one to transmit that information, even though the rebels try and kill him. The good guys try and kill her dad, who's actually a good guy. Let's look at Tomb Raider. Why was it important that her dad was alive? I don't have an answer. It wasn't. I do not have an you answer as to why you needed character. more patriarchal, uh, you know, hand-holding, literally and figuratively. I couldn't believe when they were holding hands. I'm like, oh my God, I want to kill myself. I was like, well, the, the thing of the video game is, yes, she's helpless and being tortured and borderline raped at times, but who's saving herself? She is. She's finding a way, and why does she do what she does? Because, yes, she wants to help her friends, but she wants to help save the fucking world. This is a Tomb Raider movie. Give me a save the world story. I don't want a daddy story. The daddy part of Rogue One just supplemented all the brilliant writing and and on-screen action that was going on. Why do you need him? if If it was a man, I would say it emasculated her. It 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 yeah made her even more helpless than she was, and you're going like what was the point of all this? You know what I mean? And, like it's it's and it's, if you have a character that can be swapped out with another character of any sort of background, then you don't need that character. <laughs> I'm just saying. If she hadn't fought her way out of the tomb at the very end, I kept expecting Daniel Wu to swoop in and save her. I was like, I swear to God, if Daniel Wu swoops in and save her at this final Tomb Raider scene, which is like the first actual Tomb Raider scene of the whole goddamn movie, I'm mm. going to lose my mind. 
And I was like, I was, my dad was like, I don't normally talk a lot during movies, but I was like visibly irritated because <laughs> I was not getting the Lara Croft ass kicking. I could have dealt with everything else, but I didn't get that last 20 to 25% of the movie, Lara Croft, two guns, let's do this, ass kicking, coming into her own. It's the hero's journey, but this hero's journey was not fully realized. And it was compounded yeah. by the fact that touching a very fake looking dead body was supposed to scare the shit out of me when in the video game you literally have cave trolls and mounds of dead bodies in these giant yeah. troll creatures and zombies I- i'm and sorry it's all amongst flesh of like recent bodies like these things uh, are still hunting i told my like, dad it's bloody it's i was, gory, like, if, it's I was like if i don't get a cave troll at the by the end of this movie i'm gonna be extremely upset because when that happened in the video game i was just like holy shit <laughs> yeah they are they are terrifying i mean if you're going up like an un, up against an undead samurai you're gonna you're gonna crap your pants well, they're <laughs> terrifying saying. but they're neutral in a way which was what was so cool yeah. was she was trying to work them against the actual bad guys and i want to say it i know it's cliched but they should have kept the vision of the psychopathic leader who believed the bullshit and was trying to yeah. become a god himself that's so much cooler in a movie like this go all the way he ended up just being totally flat, you know, like yeah. in the game, he, you read his journals and he is manipulating. He knows he's manipulating the, the, the slaves and even the people, the mercenaries or whatever with the religion, but he believes it also without realizing that he believes it. And that's way more interesting and cool to me. Sorry. Mm. And in that sense, if they did go along that route is that they could have had, um, the, the, Japanese best friend of Lara as well. Because then they could really be, they could aim to kidnap Lara's friend and trying to do the, the, you know, the spirit possession thing and putting the Yamatai queen into her friend and have that build up to that. And Lara being freaking terrified, thinking, no, this, like, even if it didn't have supernatural things, having a villain that believed in the supernatural things and pushed for it could have been almost just as terrifying because because yeah matthias did act a little bit like he had fallen off the wagon but as soon as they had um as in like we're going to cuckoo as soon as they had a space to get into the actual tomb he kind of came back to himself he was more in control and more sane if he if he had started as someone possibly reasonable and progressed and you realize, oh, hang on a sec, this guy no. is a nut job. Nope. That would have been so much better. Nope. The game version's better. Go, go pure uncharted pure villain. Pure from the get-go? Yeah. But, but with a religious connotation, you know, is mm. way more interesting. And look, I mean, there's even little, even, okay. Even if they wanted to keep her dead actually alive, how about this? I said this to my dad during the movie. I was talking a lot during the movie. I was really not happy. <laughs> I was like, oh, how about the twist is he thinks he's been escaping all these years, but the bad guy's been keeping him alive on purpose because he knows when the time comes, he's going to need him. He's going to need Richard Croft. 
And so he makes Richard Croft think that he's escaping constantly and on the run and outsmarting them just barely. But really, they're keep, he's keeping him alive on purpose because he's going to need him when the time comes. Not because he knows Lara's going to come, but just because he knows Richard Croft's a part of the puzzle. That is way mm-hmm. more interesting. It would not have been difficult at all. Three lines change that could have made that happen in the movie. It would have been a more interesting twist. Yeah. How about this? Uh, <laughs> With Daniel Wu, who they're setting up as the semi-love interest, when she first escapes... And you're like, oh, this is going to be the she escapes and he's still a prisoner thing. What if they just shot him in the head right there in front of her? That would have been powerful and way more interesting. He did nothing Mm -hmm. particularly interesting from a purely narrative storytelling standpoint once she escaped. And her seeing him getting shot in the head right there would have been a a shocking moment, you know, that would have propelled her into the next level of of evolution as a character, I thought. And they do that in the game. I don't know why they can't do it in the movie. That brings us back to the game and saying that if they did kill Lou Ren off, I think they needed someone she came to the island with for her to save in that because she would have felt guilty in bringing Lou Ren to the island and would have wanted to do something to get them off. So it comes back to the point where she should have had a posse. She should have crashed on the island with a group of other people like they did in the, in the game. I mean, but it's just storytelling. They had weeks on the boat together. They could have literally spent five to seven minutes of very like fun, fun, funny, touching, you know, but sweet and low key interactions with them on the boat on the way to the island, getting to know each other. I mean, literally, Jin Erso and Cassian know each other for like 48 hours before they hug and die in the suicidal explosion of the Death Star. But you totally buy it because they go on this journey together. Here, they spend weeks together. We could have gotten them to get to know each other. The movie was like an hour and 50 minutes. Yeah. Like, Here's the thing, though. I only see the, quote, love interest because of every other film pitching up the main doesn't have to character. Be love interest. They could just be close. buddies. No. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there be was gay. a love interest. Make him gay. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, well, yeah. Why not? Yeah. I don't think there was a love interest, and I don't think they intended for it to be. Perhaps they might in the next film. I don't know. And I love that there wasn't a love interest, so I'm not going to yeah. shut that down. But well, I no, think the only what, reason why we yeah. assume that is because previous films and other films have I'm the main I'm saying love interest in quotes. Buddies with the closest Look, person. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Is Kylo a love interest of Rey and vice versa? Well, the thing is, there's a lot more than just... Exactly. Stop right there. <laughs> other Stop right there. It's just like... The yeah. fact that you have to think about it shows that it's a successful heterosexual relationship that may or may not be romantic. Yeah. Same with Cassine and Jen. They could have done the same thing here. And I think they, that was their intention, actually, was to not definitively make this romantic or not. But they didn't explore it enough one way or the other to make it interesting. And that's the problem. But I will, I again, props to them not having a relationship here because I am a bit sick of, and I've probably said this before, I'm a bit sick of always the main character being paired off with someone else. I or agree. if it's a group of people and the only girl is paired off with the main hey, character. Look, it's like, come on. When I first started playing the video game, everything. when I first started playing the rebooted 2013 video game, knowing nothing, at the very beginning, I thought maybe her and her friend were romantic before I realized that her friend was much younger. Oh, the female friend. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And so... 
I, I don't care if it's woman, woman, man, man, woman, man. They can be buddies. It's always a fine line when you go through difficult situations and tight situations with people, right? I mean, I, I'm not saying it should have been a love engine in the traditional sense. I'm saying they should have had some kind of spiritual connection or emotional connection or something to make me yeah, care. I do but the fact that, that I think the most effective thing would have been to shoot him in the head in front of her when she's first realizing how horrible the world is and she made a big mistake, maybe, would have been, it just shows, you know, yeah, it would have been it would have been very good because it would have just shown that her choices have consequences, and that would have led very well into her fighting that guy in the mud and trying to save her life and get away from him. I mean, even as something as cliched as like they're on the boat and we spent some time with them on the boat, and she's regaling him with stories of mythology, which of course she would be more interested in. We don't see any interest in archaeology in this entire thing, other than once she wants to find her daddy. All of a sudden, she's into archaeology and she can solve puzzles. I don't like that. I want her to be into archaeology from the beginning. I don't care yeah, if it's cliched. That's good. Having and, stories yeah. of like mythology would have been fantastic. That's but, but even cool. if it was like in his dying breath, turning to her and being like, "I believe you," or whatever. Finally, oh hell no, that is cliche to the extent. But at least they would have built to that. that point. If you're dead, die. Don't say anything. Just it, die. <laughs> but but you see what I'm saying? I, I'm, what I'm saying, Mike. What, what I'm saying is not that, that would have been my first choice. What I'm saying is it's not the cliches that bothered me. It was the lack of any real tangible human connections and lack of believability or fleshing out of the relationships. That's that's, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm human saying. Human connection over. I don't like care a, how you do it. Fresh. Just make it believable and human. Absolutely. Okay, so we've had a lot of discussion about CGI. It sounds like we might do a podcast on your end about C- CGI mm-hmm. in 2018 that, and so yeah. forth, which would be awesome. I will say this. This movie felt every bit only $97 million big. Um, they did everything they could. It actually had more practical stuff going on than I was expecting and less CGI stuff going on than I was expecting. I almost wish, especially towards the end, they did a little bit more CGI to make it feel epic. doesn't have to be an army of zombies, but... One one dead woman. Yeah, I mean one dead woman after and, like paying out all the armies. Before. I was gonna say one dead woman and another guy who briefly turns into a zombie is supposed to scare the shit out of me. It's the end yeah, of the world. Like I still remember the end of Tomb Raider two, um, which is the bottom of the pit or whatever the Garden of Eden, wherever the fuck that shit was, and and the second uh, Angelina Jolie movie. Like I still remember that. I remember being like, "This is awesome." Yeah, like I, I keep getting them mixed up. Which one? How does that one end? She finds like the Garden of Eden or like the um the Tree of Life basically, and they're trying to take the essence of the Tree of Life and turn it against the world or something. I mean, it's like super mythological and epic. Um, I think it was the second one. I might be getting them mixed up, but like bottom line is. I bought the the world-ending stakes and the fact that Angelina Jolie was going to take care of business in those movies. And the movie like this set the stakes a little bit smaller and do more with them. Rather mm. than be like, oh my god, there's a gross old lady and he just touched her and now he's turned into a zombie. Now he's dead and the world's going to end if we don't... You know, I mean, it was like... It, it just it didn't feel super high stakes to me. And maybe it would have if they went back to London, as you suggested, which I hadn't actually considered. Oh, yeah. It makes sense. I would have loved that. I felt like it just ended a little bit too abruptly. I feel like she should have confronted the um, the Guardian and all that. Yeah. Well, look, what, what do the, the hardcore DC nerds have plenty of complaints about Justice League, but what's the biggest complaint people have about the movie? Like, 
general broad complaint. Mustache. I mean, I'm, I'm saying general I'm broad. Just being a pain. I'm I know. Sorry. I, I mean, whatever. Uh, hey, you're the DC person. If that, you know, I feel bad for you. If if, if Mustache Gate is the state of the DCEU in 2018 is Mustache Gate, I just feel bad for you guys. But <laughs> yeah. um, it was too short, right? And they cut too much out. And the seven hour Snyder yeah. cut, which all the Snyder worshippers want, which never existed. Whatever. Sure, it could have been longer. People forget the original Avengers wasn't much longer than Justice League. Original Avengers considered still maybe the best superhero movie ever, or at least the most accessible. And they didn't need two and a half to three hours Zack Snyder cut to accomplish it. I thought Justice League no, was I, fine at the length. I would have been fine with 15 more minutes. I would have been fine with definitely 15 more minutes in the Warcraft movie, which they cut too short. And I definitely would have been fine with 15 more minutes in this movie, which they cut too short. Yeah, I think, um, and this coming from a DC fan, you know, this is big. I really appreciate what Marvel has done. They have smartly and just cleverly built all these films. Yes, there is a definite, like I watched um, Thor, the first Thor, Iron Man, and I think Captain America um, on on a plane when I was flying back from England or something. Watching them back to back like that, you can really see the the formula that they have, but that's fine. They have a very clever formula that works. They're pumping out films. And I think even if you're a huge DC fan, you can win from just getting superhero films because mm-hmm. it's cool, because it's awesome. Speaking of which, and, I tried mm. to, in my first, my first, I only saw Thor Ragnarok opening night. That was it. I'm like, all right, I'm going to rewatch it. I'm going to do a commentary. I've done a business commentary in like a year and a half. I used to do a ton of them and I had a blast. But I went through all my favorite movies in a year and a half and it's been like another year and a half since I've done one. I was like, all right, do a Thor. I couldn't get through more than an hour. I mean, I watched the whole movie, but in terms of the commentary, I couldn't get through the whole thing. I was like, I just not that invested in this movie enough to do a commentary. I'll be honest with you. That film, I think, is very much for us Australians and New Zealanders. There's a lot of humor and awkward scenes and stuff that is just right up our alley. I mean, if you want to, if you want to see that humor yeah, turned except, up the extreme, go I see was, the castle. Yeah, except I knew who Taiko Waititi was before you did. Before yeah, any yeah, of well, you true. guys did, I've been following Taiko Waititi for like five years. Hunt for the Wilder People is one of my favorite movies. That's hilarious. That young boy is in Deadpool. Ricky, it's gonna be great. Ricky, you <laughs> shit just got real. but yeah but i was gonna say was i was excited for the taika waititi down under humor but i thought it was way too much way too much slapstick too over the top hunt for wilder people was very subtle and very touching thor lacked heart i hated the Kate blanchett villain i still think the thor first movie i know i'm the only one i really think the first thor movie is the best thor movie because thor on earth without powers is the best and I'm I'm not into this will be our, our one sidebar for the night. I'm not feeling the cosmic side of Marvel. I'm not I hated Guardians of the Galaxy two and I love the first one, but I really didn't like Guardians two. I was disappointed yeah. with Thor. I don't like Doctor Strange. This magic mixing Captain America with magic and Star Wars, it's just not working for me. It's not working for me. I just want to come back to Cap uh Scarlett Johansson you know, Winter Soldier, fucking, you know, I, I, w- I want to come, Black Panther, like, that's why Black Panther was so great, we're back on Earth, like, yes, it's science fiction, yeah. but it's fucking Africa, it's fucking Earth, you like. Want, you want to know what I want to see? 
what the only fail that Marvel has done? Well, not only. I mean, I'm sure there are others. Mm, Thor The Dark Agent World. Carter. Iron Man 2. Bring oh, that was a Agent huge Agent Carter back. They canceled the what wrong show. What are you show. doing? They canceled exactly. the wrong show. They canceled. She, Haley Atwell is a beautiful woman. And quite honestly, I saw a picture the other day where Don't she was in a started. chair wearing Stop. glasses and her hair was in a ponytail. Brittany. And I was like, holy crap, you are Barbara Gordon. Brittany, I'm, I'm having a major midlife crisis about English women. <laughs> you need to go to it England. Was, it was a combination of Haley Atwell and Felicity Jones and a couple others. I'm like, oh my God. You give me the, 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 the overbite and the English accent, but kind of perky and feisty. And oh man, I love I'll Haley Atwell. She's a fierce actress. And <laughs> by the way, she, she has, Haley Atwell has some significant stuff coming out in the next couple of years. It has nothing to do with Marvel. They completely wasted Peggy Carter yeah. overall. And to, to cancel her show and keep shield, you can understand based purely on ratings but to cancel her show and then sink money into the Inhumans, which is like one of the worst properties ever. Oh, it was, that is, was a big fail. Is so stupid and has a lot to do with the politics at Marvel, where the film division, and the TV division don't particularly get along with each other very well, no. even though they share characters. But for Haley Atwell to be a casualty of that sucks, especially because... Do you know who I miss as well? Yeah, I feel like a lot, apart from clint and hawkeye you know a lot of women are getting hard done by in marvel i miss lady sif yeah well the thing is but she's a star now is the thing yeah she's in um blind spot that was really good for a while i stopped watching though yeah um the problem was you know arguably she was a better fit as a love interest than natalie portman but Mm. again i'm not on that ship because I love Natalie Portman and Chris Hemsworth in the first Thor. I think Natalie Portman's performance, comedic performance in Thor one is one of the great, like mod- like only Jennifer Lawrence and a couple other young female actresses have pulled off that kind of level of, of comedy on the, on the big screen and like a big movie before. I think she is so cute and funny and endearing. She keeps hitting Thor with the car over and over again. Yeah. It's so funny. I love it. And, and I love her. And, yeah. Kat Dennings, who oh. played Darcy. Meow, meow. She was hilarious. <laughs> like, I, you, you knew she was la- like acting. You knew she was there for the comedic effect. But I just, I loved it. I just I thought, this is, this is what I'm here for. It's over the top, but it is hilarious. My, my most egregious unreleased Bizzlecast was my Thor commentary, which I recorded years ago, but never released because the sound quality wasn't great and because I just never found a great time to release it. But I did a commentary of that movie where I'm just laughing the whole time at Kat Dennings and all the Aunt Estelle and Skarsgård and the <laughs> whole crew. They even took my iPod. <laughs> yeah. He is cut. <laughs> Pulls out the taser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nellie Portman comes to go to the hospital. She goes... He said his name was Thor. <laughs> Thor. But I don't Ugh. know. I haven't seen that film, well, actually since the end of last year. Can't remember it well enough. Well, it's, just, it's too bad because Nellie Portman is that character in real life. She is, she's a but cute, Harvard, time, awkward, mm, nerdy girl. Like, it's, so she kind of gets I'm, to play herself, which is great. If she is going on to do smaller roles like she did in Annihilation, I am here for this. Annihilation she's won an Academy Award for Black Swan. But I mean, she's done a ton. Looking forward. I need to see that. I feel like that would just be a trippy film that I need to see. 
Yeah, and she gets it on with Mila Kunis, and it is like her best friend in real life, too, uh, apparently. <laughs> oh, that would have been awkward. <laughs> and she's married to the dance choreographer from that movie, actually. Um, oh, that's cute. Yeah, but um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm ready for Cap, and I'm so glad that the center, and I predicted this like three years ago, but whatever. I predicted that Cap and Black Panther were going to be the center of the Avengers stuff going on, and that's the case. And I'm thrilled, because people love Captain America and Chris Evans. People love Black Panther. Black Panther's has already beaten the Avengers as the highest grossing domestic superhero movie ever. All the Batman movies, all the Avengers movie, Black Panther's number one. No movie has ever made more money than Black Panther in the United States of America in the superhero genre. It's not even close. But isn't um, Infinity War, its pre-ticket sales, yes. outselling Black Panther's So Black Panther sales? set the record in like a few days of pre-sales, mm. and then Infinity War set it in about four hours. <laughs> it's just insane. Like... I love, this is why I love what Marvel has done. It has successfully brought superheroes to the mainstream public. Yeah. And I think that's great. Keep in mind, that Avengers record was only set after, A, Black Panther had been out for three weeks at least already and broken all the records. And Mm. B, it was made abundantly clear on numerous trailers that Wakanda is very much the center of the movie. Oh, yeah. So So you got to think then the... The final stone that Thanos needs is in Wakanda. The orange stone, That's the soul gem, be. which I go b- go back, people, check the record. I said it 2015. I said the orange soul gem was in Wakanda. It's going to be yeah. there, people. Boom. But also vision. Is there? He needs vision stone. So yeah, vision could also bye-bye. be in Wakanda. So if He's there's two in one place, that would definitely attract Thanos. All right. Well, this would be a fun way to end the podcast. So before we do, we'll do, we'll do a wrap up on Infinity War. I, I want to save a longer Black Panther discussion. I don't know that that much needs to be said. I've, I've done two. I'd like to see it again anyway. I just saw it for the second time. It was great. I specifically didn't want to get overexposed on it. And I waited for my mom and my grandfather. Her dad died a couple weeks ago and things have been kind of crazy. And like, you know, and so I was just waiting for my mom to see it for my second time. I waited like, uh, I think over a month between viewings. and It was fantastic. Uh, definitely recommend the second viewing but i think it's so gorgeous it'll translate onto like a nice tv or you know what i mean like for later viewings but we'll end on infinity war but before that i mean i'm not gonna cut it just wrap on tomb raider real quick i'm not gonna categorize my feelings as disappointment as i was hinting at because I realized early on that it was unfair for me to have expectations for a video game movie adaptation. <laughs> and if you go back to our podcast, we raved about the woman who wrote the, who supposedly wrote the movie, who was also working in Captain Marvel, who's also supposedly Gail working Simone? on... Is it Gail Simone? No, 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 no. It was a woman yeah. we never heard of. She has like a Europe, weird European name. You looked it up from oh, the middle uh, of the Geneva podcast. Geneva Robertson. Yes. Duore, so she's I one think. of like a thousand Captain Marvel writers, and she's supposedly writing Gotham City Sirens, which may or may not happen. I mean, they canceled Batgirl, so yeah, you know. So what are they going to build all of that side of Gotham around Harley at this point? I mean, I love Margot Robbie, God bless her, but like they're already wasting opportunities, and they claim they're going to focus on the Justice League. So, I, I, you know, I, the fact that they're focusing so hard on Suicide Squad two, which nobody liked in this movie. I mean, some people liked. But the wide majority of people did not like and did not make nearly as much. It made more money than it should have based on reviews, but not nearly as much as it could have. Um, Mm. So, you know, I'm not saying this woman isn't a good writer. I'm saying Tomb Raider was half-baked in the writing process. But to be fair, it was definitely one of the better video game movies that I've seen. But again, it's not saying a whole lot. Um, 
considering yeah i was shaking my head a lot during the movie because i felt like alicia vikando was being I, I, you know i'm a very actor actress cent- centered guy and a director centered guy so when act when actors are mistreated or like when joss whedon is mistreated for example or even sex Snyder, who i don't particularly like but was mistreated like you know like i don't like that studios fuck this shit up constantly and it's a waste of talent on all levels. And this was a waste of Alicia Vikander. It's not a waste because the movie was terrible. It's a waste because this should be a franchise, which is something you and I semi-predicted slash wanted to happen. But mm. if, if this is indeed the one and only of the rebooted Tomb Raider movies, um, yeah, it's just sad. Just the same way Amelia Clark was great as Sarah Connor, but was in a mediocre Terminator movie. Now they're rebooting the franchise again with a new Sarah Connor and a whole new storyline. No one gives a fuck about James Cameron or Terminator anymore. And the supposed Avatar movies that never will get made, hopefully. Um, but again, Amelia Clark, amazing as Sarah Connor in that otherwise somewhat forgettable movie, Terminator Genesis. Same thing here. Great performance by Alicia Vikander. But you, know, you can't overcome half-baked writing. That's my final thought on Tomb Raider. I'll, I'll leave you the final thought on Tomb Raider, and then we'll spend a couple minutes on Infinity War, and then we'll wrap up. I agree. Writing was definitely it's the the writing that f- really let this thing down. The um, bringing the dad back and stuff like that. But really, one thing that will one hundred percent get me back into watching this is Alicia Vikander's portrayal of Lara Croft, yeah. because at the end of the day, all the scenes that I loved pretty much were her, just her, doing her thing, riding the bike jumping off the ship, um, getting thrown by the waterfall into the aeroplane, trying to reach for the um, the parachute. And then finally with the one other person is the one where she actually has her first kill. So I will go back to this film just for that actress and how she did her role because she is phenomenal. But studios need to, whether it's video games or whether it's the failed on arrival dark universe Tom Cruise mummy, you know, thing that was supposed to happen that turned into nothing. <laughs> These studios have to stop building for the future and make compelling movies. You know, exactly people, something that can build into the future. People who are both praiseworthy and critical of Marvel will say, "Well, Marvel did a great job of planning ten years in the future." I say, "Yeah, they also did a good job of making a lot of really good movies in their early yeah. years." I still love the first Thor, the first Captain America, and the first Iron Man, and the first Avengers. The only only unwatchable Marvel movie for me from the early years is Dark World, and I I could even watch Iron Man too, even though it's not particularly good. I love the cast. Um, I've had more of a problem. I couldn't get through Spider-Man. I could not get through 45 Minutes of Spider-Man. I hated it. Um, Doctor Strange I didn't love. I haven't liked the Phase 3 movies very much overall. Ant-Man, not a huge fan. But the early Marvel movies were really competitive compelling and the amazing casting i mean hemsworth evans and robert downey jr are going to go down as like you know all-time greats here's the problem with standalone films and i think this is the the reason behind it is what i actually learned um in trying to get your book published so um for those of you don't know i studied creative and professional writing graduated last year and one of the biggest things i learned was that publishers want to make sure you are more than one book because if you only have one book, the money will only come from that. If you don't have more afterwards, if you're not bigger than the, just one publishable thing, they're really not likely going to look at you. So with films, I think that's the way the industry is going is that the money from one film isn't enough. 
they want something bigger. So you get smaller corporations doing stuff like Annihilation, well, like Netflix, I guess, doing something like Annihilation or doing other things like that. Where the source material, by films. the way, many people think is not particularly good writing. I also want to point out Hunger Games. Almost no one thinks the other Hunger Games books are as good as the first one. Almost no one thinks the other Twilight books are as good as the first one, even if they like the first mm. one. Um, Harry Potter's a different sort, obviously. J.K. Rowling's a once-in-a-generation gen- writer. I haven't read them, but I'm sure you, the quality... You put Harry Potter with Lord of the Rings. Yeah, exactly. She's Gerald Tolkien it's, of this it's, generation. And yeah. she's now getting an entire new movie franchise, which, God, we'll save that for another day. But <laughs> God bless her. She's Don't hurt fan- my feelings. She, no, no, it's not you. It's it's the movie industry. It's so desperate for any kind of quality, you know. I mean... They so tr- desperate, not for quality, just for story. Just for... for they're, they're not looking for new content, I don't think. Hollywood films are looking for the next Fast and Furious franchise. They're looking for the next post-apocalyptic female-led uh, divergent Hunger Games. Yeah. They're looking for something beyond one film. And that is the issue that they just can't make a good standalone film now unless it's something like um, mm-hmm. the something the, the what of water? The shape what of was water. that? Shape of water or just stuff like that where they're just – once in a blue moon, they're going to have like, a phenomenal film. Well, but it's that's not- also Guillermo del Toro, who's been long overdue for an Oscar with an unbelievably storied career. Um, I still haven't seen Shape of Water. Most people I know love it. Um, even my mom, who's not normally into that stuff at all, really loved it, although she's kind of creeped out by it. I, I can't wait to see it. But he, he is in, you know, he's up there with Paul Thomas Anderson and, you know, the Coen brothers and so forth. I mean, he's a fantastic, fantastic writer, director. Um, it's not even in the same category as the Hunger Games. I mean, the Hunger Games was great enough for one really good book, three so-so books, and four very mediocre movies. Do um, you think that maybe it's because it's TV is building? Yes. Yeah. People are turning and more I hate to it. I hate it. TV online and stuff, and movies are failing because of it. Yeah. I mean, look, you know how I feel about Game of Thrones, but at least George R. R. Martin did the honest thing and was like, I literally cannot write new material for both my books and the television show at the same time, people. Sorry, I'm going to prioritize the TV show, which is making me and everybody tens and hundreds of millions of dollars. I'm not saying <laughs> he shouldn't be writing books, but it, it's hard to do both of those at once. I actually appreciate yeah. that he focused on the TV show, even though I'm not into it and think it's trash. Um, the, the early... The early um, uh, seasons like the early books are quite good. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, uh, look, you want to stretch Harry Potter seven into Harry Potter seven and eight. That's totally different than stretching hunger games three and hunger games three and four. It was a blatant money grab film is stupid. Yeah. Like, like twilight as well. I mean, like twilight is just, I'm going there, but anyway, um, the final film split in two. Why? Why? Because they just want to, this is my out the trying to get coherent response to what you said is yes, publishers are looking for the long run of books, but it's also resulting in a lot of shitty books and a lot of teen yeah. fiction, which is making everybody dumber because I was not reading teen fiction when I was a teen. I was reading Lord of the Rings and fucking, you know, English classic English literature some stuff that my school forced on me, thank God, which they don't make kids read anymore. Some stuff which I was reading on my own. You know, I happen to be intellectually curious and like difficult books. Like, I can read some teen fiction now if it's well written, but the, when I was yeah. a teen, there's no way I'd be caught dead reading te- teen fiction. No. Teen fiction is interesting, though, because although it's 
easier read and you say it's dumbing down the pe- dumbing down the people, but it's making people who don't necessarily read more inclined to read. So there is a definite benefit in books that are classified as dumber, I guess. Yeah, but I I, I would argue the Harry Potter books are more literature. Even though they're so-called – like, I would rather have teenagers be reading Harry Potter if it also meant they were reading Tolkien. It's because Harry Potter, it has – think of it as a reflection of society. You can actually delve into it and break it apart and write a report on it. There are so many levels of racism, slavery, and – She's actually a writer is the other thing. (laughs) Like, sorry, Twilight Hunger Game fans. I've read a couple pages of those books, and they are trash. No, well, here's the funny thing about Hunger Games. I'll, I'll agree with Twilight. Twilight, I didn't see a, a a level in which I could study it. But the Hunger Games books is very interesting politically. Yeah. In that, in the end, you realize that no one is really a good guy and Katniss is a pawn. And that oh, the is conception of Hunger are. Games is great. It's, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's battle, drum, battle Drum or whatever it's called for kids. I get it. Battle Royale, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. no. I'm not saying like that's why it's good. It's it's good because it made me realize the level of uh, or the lack of morality within politics is that and war and stuff as well is that they they possibly in a war there are no good guys. There's just a lesser evil. So that's something that can be taken from the Hunger Games series. Yes, it does involve the typical. Oh, do I go for Gale? Ooh, do I go for Peter? I just don't know. Teenage angst. Yeah. I'm but just talking about the, the quality of the actual of- writing. I don't care about oh, the yeah. political <laughs> stuff. It's great. I'm glad kids are thinking. Look, I don't think I give the younger generation credit when it comes to political issues. They led a nationwide march in my country today, led by teenagers. Oh, yeah, for the, for the shooting. Hey. Teenagers are fucking like, killing in my country. My, my, my teenage um, cousin, little cousins are brilliant and awesome, but they're not being forced to read challenging books and they're not being forced to write. And I'm a teacher, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, and I'm a writing t- tutor. And so I see it. it. It it takes its toll. You can be super smart in all, a, a lot of important ways, but if you don't read and you don't write and you're reading trashy books, I'm not saying there aren't cool ideas behind hunger games or even twilight, you know, is like, I'm cool with, with, with guilty pleasure stuff. But if you're mm-hmm. not balancing that out with like, you know, stuff that we used to roll our eyes at when we were kids. Like, oh my God, I can't believe they're making us read this for school. Now I'm like, thank God they made me read that stuff for school. Like, I hated the shit out of the Scarlet Letter, but I'm glad I was forced to read it, you know? Oh my gosh. Have you read Empire of the Sun, that Japanese book? I That is the only book I've not read that I had in high school. I've got like two chapters in and I'm like, I have no idea what's happening. Yeah. Read the end. Spark notes online. I hated that book with a passion. Yeah. Well, keep in mind, you know, here we have entire years of middle school and high school devoted to just American writers also. So our mm. reading lists are probably a little bit different, but you know what I'm saying. Our Australian, we did an Australian book called The Secret River. Finished that one, but I hated that too. That was yeah. just... Oh, well, tied all together, boring. you know, I think while Black Panther, you know isn't a perfect movie and there are certainly cliches in it. It's certainly one of the closer works towards like Shakespearean um, comic book movies we've seen for sure. It's Um, definitely something that can be like I was saying before dissected in the idea of, yeah, well, I could actually agree with the, um, with the cousin, what's his name? Um, who was actually very attractive. Michael B. Jordan. Uh, Killmonger. 
Yeah. Dude, everyone loves Michael B. Jordan. Mm, Everybody wants a piece of Michael B. Jordan. (laughs) He's a hot Like, it's it's a film that you can really actually sympathize with the the so-called villain. Because in the end, although there would be years of war taking over the world by Wakanda, at the end of the day, their technologies and their science, their health, their medicines, their teaching, everything they've got in that country, seemingly would benefit the world at mm-hmm. such a better rate. I but mean, it's sort of like, well, it, it takes away from the... the con- this is what I feel about one day when there's... <laughs> theories are coming out, conspiracy theories. One day, if there's ever going to be a one world order, I fear that that'll take away from the individual country's personalities and characteristics. And the mm-hmm. beauty of going to France for the food or Italy for their different food, going to China for its rich history and, and all that. And so you can agree with the villain in in Black Panther, but you can also oh, yeah. side with T'Challa and realize, no, you need the different states. You need to let the world grow and breathe so you can have the beauty of the different countries and cultures and and histories that are so rich. I mean, I love Hiddleston and Hemsworth, but T'Challa and Kelmonger is the best thing Marvel's done in terms of mm-hmm. a not good guy, bad guy dynamic, but a protagonist antagonist dynamic where you completely yeah. see where Kelmonger's coming from. And but if he didn't go totally crazy and start burning down everything, you'd almost be on his side. You know? Yeah. I um, mean like the thing is is Killmonger was doing it with rage, with revenge. Um there wasn't peace well not there wasn't love in his actions and i know that sounds kind of corny whereas if t'challa took a similar and he does in the very end he takes a similar route but a gentle path that'll take even longer in in creating in building those connections with the outside world and making it aware that wakanda isn't a third world country that it is advanced in many ways in technology and can help and i think T'Challa, in the end, has found the right path in what Killmonger was trying to do, but didn't have the... He just had too much hatred to do that. Yeah, I I had some debate with this with the Bizzlecast contributor, Matty G. I I think Killmonger just nudged him towards what uh, Lupita's character, Nakia, was trying to get him to do the whole time. Mm. Some people think, you know, he had a bigger impact directly, personally, himself, you know, I think he was. I think T'Challa was sad the whole time, realizing he had to kill this guy. He never wanted to do it, but he realized there was no other way, and that's what made it so tragic. And that's such. Mm, a, and, and, think- and the fact that you see the look on Michael B. Jordan's face, uh, Killmonger's face, change the second he gets the killing blow in the stomach, and he realizes that he had been overpowered by rage, and immediately is turned to regret. Mm. It just breaks my heart. I mean. Marvel's never done beauty- that to me where a villain has, even with Loki, Marvel's never mm-hmm. done to me where the villain was the one who made me want to cry um, and in it's, the end. It's, it's the heart of Black Panther as well, where they perfectly, I don't have a better word for this, but they perfectly sandwiched the film with him learning about the sunrises or sunsets of Wakanda and being able to see that at the very end as if he really was finally a citizen of the country where he was from. And I think that's kind of what he wanted. He wanted to be from somewhere. He wanted to be a part of something. And K- Killmonger got that. And it wasn't, it was, I guess, yeah, it was ho- this horrible mess. But he didn't get what he wanted through hate. In the end, it was T'Challa's kindness that he got what he really wanted. 
So this this really just proves how much Black Panther is a film. I think a bit more like it's above the other Marvel films because it's a story that can be dissected and reviewed and discussed. And maybe this should be added to American literature. Oh, no, I was going to say based on your comment earlier. If my kid came home from school and was like, hey, Ma, we're doing the union on the Black Panther comic book and movie. I'd be like, word. (laughs) Hell yeah. It's already happening. Wakanda forever crossing arms. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be like, I'm in touch with the pulse of the minority community in this country, but to our listeners around the world who don't know what the racial dynamic like is in this country, this movie was even more important for the people of color in this country than I thought. And I thought it was going to be extremely important and appealing, but it is even more revolutionary. I think Wonder Woman is being a little underrated in this category for young girls. Um, Mm. Part of it is just because Wonder Woman made slightly less money, and part of it's because of the shadow over DC, and part of it is because you know, even people who liked Wonder Woman, a lot of people, you know, are critical of the final act of Wonder Woman and blah, 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 blah. Most of that, I think, is just comparative to DCEU stuff. Um, but um, but it's also because we have Ray and Jen and characters like that at the same time. So, like, the uh, people of color were the ones who really fucking needed some superheroes, ASAP. And we got an entire Avengers team, a nation of Avengers of people of color in this country, and it's fucking glorious. Okay, awesome. I just I need to stress how amazing Shuri is. The youngest sister who is who is a Disney princess, let's just say it. She is a freaking amazing Disney princess. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Everyone and loves Shuri. She, she she just she like won me over immediately because she is is what are those? And being so like just ah, she's just like perfect in every way the way that she like she sort of i guess respects her culture in a sense but then she also interrupts the ceremony thinking that oh my goodness she's gonna fight for the throne nope she just wants to get out of that bloody corset or whatever she's wearing she's tony stark (laughs) she's like the completely bizarro weird african young female tony stark basically but with all the good sides and none of the bad sides i think she's just so much better because that's not what i mean i'm not doing a comparative i'm just talking about her her innovative mind yeah the the tech the the tech rebellious rebellious character because she has so much heart in her i it's just so much fun is what i'm trying to say it's like she doesn't it's not really sarcasm it's outright i'm gonna get you to kick this statue with the or dummy with your costume on it just for lols just so I can film it. And she, people are writing that they are so excited to see Shuri and Peter Parker meet because <laughs> Peter Parker is so awkward that they'd be about the same age, but she would like destroy know. him Bucky, with some hilarious things. Yeah, just throwing the finger over her, her shoulder and uh, I'm all for this. I think her and Bucky have a thing. Shuri and Bucky? Oh, yeah. They got good chemistry there in the post credit sequence. They do have good chemistry, but mm-hmm. I don't know if they go there. Well, if they're going to go there Who with anyone who wasn't from know. Wakanda, that would be the way to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this is the interesting thing, though, in watching this film, um, coming across the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Um, I don't know. Uh, what's oh, his oh name? Martin Freeman. Yeah. Um, Martin he's Freeman. not a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. He works for the CIA. But, yeah. CIA, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
if if he like I didn't actually know his comic book roots, so I was watching the film sort of like, well, why why is he even here? But he he is based on a comic book character, and that gives reason. Like he's, he's apparently quite has a, a pretty big role. Oh, he in was the, the token white guy. That was the point of his character. Yeah, is every movie has the token black guy. This movie had the token white guy. It was brilliant. I loved it. I thought it was perfect. Mm-hmm. It's and also then, um, the reverse heart of darkness story, hand- but I won't go there. Yeah, go ahead. On the other hand, Andy Serkis, he played such oh, a so more good. pivotal role. I loved him. He was very good. Like, he was actually a necessary character. Oh, he, totally necessary. You needed, a good, yeah. you needed a good guy, white guy, and a bad guy, white guy, who were both misguided to completely different degrees. And, mm. you know, I've talked about this on other podcast, so I won't go into it. But this movie is very consciously the the reversal of the heart of darkness of the old colonial tale of going into the heart of primitive barbaric Africa, where you do have the white guy going into what he think is primitive barbaric Africa only to realize that he's the primitive and barbaric one. Um, Martin Freeman's journey was something (sighs) I did not expect. And I thought he completely nailed. um, He's an acclaimed actor who's in a ton of famous properties. Um, He did a great job of not taking up the screen too much. They needed that character. I didn't realize they needed that character until I saw the movie. And I was like, I'm really glad they did this. I, okay. Just on that note, realizing him, realizing that he is actually the, um, what's it called? The, savage or whatever he's the backwards one yeah he's the backwards one yeah when he goes in to talk to umbaku i think oh uh, yeah <laughs> and they're like you be quiet or i'm gonna eat you i'll feed you and to my he children just shuts yeah. up like terrified and he's like i'm kidding we're vegetarians yeah <laughs> i just love that line so much <sighs> yeah. because they were sort of playing to like the expectation and the cliche of this big man who is like a king of this tribe whose animal is you know the ape and Which is from the comics, by the way. Mbaku's name in the comics is Manape. I know, and they're avoiding that that name. I think no, they didn't avoid it. They embraced it head on by having them be the tribe of the apes. And no, but they're not calling him Manape. I know, from but what I understand, I need to realize yeah, how gutsy it is in this country to have them openly called the Gorilla King in like almost any other context. Even just that would be offensive. Because it was Ryan Coogler who directed it as an African-American, because of the whole project, you could just tell it was all people of color behind it. They re- It's all about reclaiming stuff in this country, right? It's not yeah. about ignoring it's it. You can't just ignore respectful. things and pretend they never happened. You know, you mm-hmm. need to, you need to, and that's what Black Panther did so well, is you need to hit these issues head on. You can't be like, oh, we're going to ignore the fact that the rest of the world thinks Africa is a third world nation. Well, no, a lot of Africa is extremely poor and war-torn in real life. Like, we can't ignore that. We also can't okay, ignore people's so stereotypes about Africa. We need to talk about those I, things. I didn't know this, but apparently M'Baku is actually making an appearance, appearance in Avengers Infinity mm-hmm. War. So, they're bringing a lot of characters across, oh, man. Yeah. I hope the balance is good. Yeah. That was one of his first big roles. He doesn't have a lot of screen credits, but he is in Infinity War, as is Shuri. They put her in the trailer, obviously. Man, this could have worked out better for Marvel. So, okay, well, let's wrap this baby up. So I'll ask you this. One question. Shoot. Who's going to die? Oh, Captain. Captain America. He's going to die. He's going to find Not, not in this movie. I think in the Peggy fourth. Carter. Yeah, not he, in this he one. Will, he will. This is the thing. They need to bring Haley Atwell back for this. He needs to die. He needs to have his dance with Haley Atwell. And I will cry. I will sob. And happen. it will be beautiful. It's not going to happen. 
They need to because it'll it will close his story. When he dies, that is how it's going to happen. And he's already um, made up with Peggy's granddaughter. Ugh, that was just such a not well developed relationship that needs to die in a hole. Yeah, I, I strongly disagree, but you, I'm in the vast minority on that point. I like Emily <laughs> Camp a lot from The Winter Soldier, but that's I, I get I'm, it. I would I would ship her with The Winter Soldier, actually. I think they visually look like they would work really well together, but that's a side note. <laughs> well, he's going to take over as Cap. I mean, it's been known for a yeah. long time that Sebastian stands on a nine-movie deal with Marvel, and this is like going back a long time. So they think, have been building to this for a while. I think he's actually said he's going to be Cap. Yeah, so if, if Captain America doesn't die, he's going to do a, um, no, a he's Nick done. Fury. And it leaked recently that he's done after the fourth Avenger, so he's not going to die. I'm asking you who's going to die in this one, because they've said people are dying oh, in, this in this one. one. Who is dying in this one is what I'm asking you. Uh, let me have a look at the list of characters well it seems impossible vision maybe lives. scarlet witch they better fucking not kill elizabeth Olsen. if they kill elizabeth olsen i would almost rather them kill scarlett johansson because Ooh. we've had awesome black widowness and we're gonna get a black widow movie which will almost certainly be set in the past and she has tons of other projects elizabeth olsen is up and coming she's the only other major event female avenger other than scarlet witch um other than scarlett right. johansson other than black widow Let can't kill this. elizabeth olsen cannot do it no. I'm going to maybe go on a different route. Plus, wait, hold on, say, really quickly. She also has to be yeah. alive so she can be devastated by the brutal death of the Vision. Like in the comics. That's if he actually dies, because if they beat Thanos, they could take this stone back and put it into Vision and yeah. perhaps rebuild him. Um, True. But yeah, she has to be devastated at the attack on Vision. A different thought, going back on what I said earlier. Tony Stark could die in the first movie. Cap could um, be very hurt in the second Avengers Infinity War film, then he gives up his shield. He doesn't actually die, but he steps aside and Nick Fury's out of there. Okay. That's the other thought because the heads have to go for the next phase, I think. So based on how long he's been with them and his age and just, I think they don't want Iron Man fatigue. I mean, I know among some critics, it already is Iron Man fatigue. Most Marvel fans still love Tony Stark and Robert Mm. Downey Jr. And he loves playing the part. They should definitely kill Iron Man. Mm. It's also easy to kill Thor because in the comics, Thor is constantly dying and being reborn. So it'd be very easy and justifiable via comics to kill Thor in this movie and then have him come back in a very different form. And, and the fact that with this, the haircut and then losing the eye, they've really been building towards the death and rebirth of Thor, which happens in the comic yeah. all the time. So that would be easy. Captain America's going to die in the fourth one, not this one. Bucky's not going to die. I think Vision might die. But after that, you're getting into the secondary characters. So then I don't know, you know, like how many secondary characters can Hawkeye. you kill? Yeah. Maybe he's actually in the film. We don't know. But another thing about Tony Stark is that he has been very emotionally messed up and he won't talk to anyone. He's not open with that. And I think that's going to lead to him putting himself in a situation where he's trying to save everyone and he will take the full front force of whatever's coming at him and he will die. Hmm. Because he doesn't want his vision to happen that Scarlet gave him. Scarlet Witch. Well, we'll have to see. I'll just say three or four months ago, my expectation was I was going to be blown away by Black Panther, have an okay time at Avengers, and then be ready to give comic book movies a rest for a while. As it stands, (laughs) I was blown away by Black Panther. 
I'm really excited about Avengers way more than I thought. And Wakanda is a big part of that, but also Captain America, who I love. And I just realize more and more over the years that the Captain America side of the Avengers universe is the best side. I mean, it's all my favorite characters. It's Cap, it's Bucky, it's Black Widow, um, you know, it's occasional Tony Stark, but not constant Tony Stark. It's Peggy Carter. It's, you know, it's Nick Fury. It's Maria Hill. It's like that side of the, the Earthbound universe I that Maria I love so Hill. much. She's great. She'll, she'll be back. Yeah. I mean, Kobe Smulders is definitely so. in the movie. Oh, no, she is. Kobe Smulders and, and Nick Fury uh, and uh, Samuel she Jackson. She works for Tony later. now, doesn't she? Uh, <gasps> yeah. Do you know what could happen? Hmm. Oh, when Tony Stark dies, then Riri Williams, they can film her as Iron Man. Iron Heart. Yeah. I think that's where that they're going. Well, there's also a Korean. Yes. Here's the thing, though. Marvel loves Korea. They film tons of shit in Korea. They take place in Korea. They make tons of money in Korea. There is a Korean, male Korean, young Iron Man in the comics, as far as I understand. That might be a direction Ooh, they go. Um, so it's going to be yeah it'll be Riri or it'll be the Korean version I think is what's going to happen they're not going to get rid of the Iron Man concept altogether after all the work they put in there's no way Um, and we know we're not going to get the Miles Morales Spider-Man for a while because we've got Peter Parker and as much as I dislike the Spider-Man movie and don't like Spider-Man in general for my entire life I do really like Tom Holland and think he's got great chemistry Mm. with everybody and he does a great job so I'm excited for him to stick around I just thought Spider-Man was just a terrible movie um I mean, it was meant for teenagers, I suppose. It was like a teeny bopper movie. I, I, I didn't understand that, like what they were trying to do with it. Um, but yeah, and I think Hemsworth is done, even though he's the one they should keep because he's the youngest. And I still think Thor has the most poten- unexplored potential. I say yeah. that before and after every Thor movie. So, but you know. What about the Hulk? We didn't even think of Bruce Banner. Oh, yeah. Hulk, well... <sighs> I mean, he's going to go away. I don't know if he's going to die or just go away. Um, Again? They've already done going no, away. No, I think no, he it's might not die. Just Mark Ruffalo is like in his mid to late 50s. Like, it's just not possible to keep doing this. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to think who else. Hawkeye is definitely going to be in the movie. They're hiding him. Um, Joss Whedon was the guy who knew how to t- use Hawkeye. I don't think anyone else knows how to use Hawkeye. Joss Whedon made Hawkeye, in my opinion, the Hawkeye Scarlet Witch stuff was the best part of Age of Ultron and part of why I love that movie. I love their yeah. father-daughter relationship. And in their brief time together in Civil War, they were great. Um, and so I do think we're going to see Hawkeye um, there for Scarlet Witch. But um, I don't, I, you can't kill him because he's the only family guy among all of them. That would be really brutal. Um, it really has family probably, and kids. you probably quit though at the end he really will yeah i think he's gonna come in and help help save the day unexpectedly at some point in the middle of the movie or something and like that'll be it and i think that's smart um yeah um sam wilson maybe i don't know bucky they're definitely not gonna kill um here's the big question and we'll end with this this is the more interesting question do you kill thanos in this movie and if so who's the real big bad guy for the final final avengers movie because I would, Ooh. but my prediction was that Hela was going to be Lady Death, essentially, and Kate Blanchett was going to be the big bad guy, mm. but they completely wiped that off the map by making her completely no, incompetent. They didn't show her die. I know, but she, she was so she, incompetent yeah. in that movie. She was, I wanted the dark Galadriel. I was dying for, you know, in the Fellowship of the Ring, when Frodo offers Galadriel the ring, and she 
she gets tempted by it in that really dramatic scene. And she's like, instead of a dark lord, you'd have a queen, you know, dark and beautiful. And she goes, all will love me and despair. I was like, oh, yeah, I want dark Galadriel. But nope, we got Mm -mm. just another Taika Waititi joke. Um, Not a fan. I mean, looks wise, she looked amazing. But yeah, that was one of my biggest disappointments of that movie. So I don't know. I I, I don't know if if Thanos dies in this movie. I would do it. And I hope they're hiding a bigger villain. I don't know if you have thoughts on this and then we'll wrap. Yeah, I don't I don't know Marvel villains enough. Um I'm I'm just trying to research a few now, but Thanos just from really the trajectory be- of building up Thanos for ten years. I mean Yeah. I don't think they'll kill him. Yeah, I, I think, don't think they can. I don't know, because there's I think I think D C has uh, sorry, not D C. I feel like the X Men have bigger villains. Maybe oh, is Galactus DC or Marvel? Maybe Galactus. Um, yeah, Galactus is a possibility. Mm-hmm. Squirrel Girl. So let's get Squirrel Girl in there as a villain. Yeah. So here we go. So Galactus is an all-powerful being tasked with serving cosmic consonants, con- consonants, which is a fancy way of saying that he eats planets to make sure the universe as a whole stays healthy. That could be a next villain. I mean, Squirrel um, Girl has literally gone up against and beaten Galactus, Thanos, and Deadpool. So that would be the perfect connective tissue to, if, if indeed Fox is coming to Disney, mm. would be Squirrel Girl. Yeah, no, this is actually kind of funny. Is, is, this is meant to be a list for, um, for Marvel villains, and I swear they had a DC villain in there. It's like, well, oh, there's a lot so. of stealing. Yeah. <laughs> No, Marvel no, no! Does I mean, most like of the stealing. Yeah. Marvel hang on, let me see. Apocalypse. Um, yeah. No, apocalypse. We, I swear, isn't that? No. Oh no, it isn't. No, that is. No, they wasted Apocalypse Marvel, on the last um, X Men movie. Apocalypse is amazing yeah, in the comics X-Men. and sucked in the movie. Apologize. No, I'm thinking Apocalypse is the planet from from New Gods. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, over names there. I mean, you know, again, I'm ex- I'm more excited for Avengers than I thought. Um, but I'm not excited for the DC or the Marvel slate the next couple of years of solo movies in the least. Um, yeah. and the departure of certain directors on both sides <laughs> and the cancellation. Which we won't talk about or we'll cry and yell and, and all the expletives. I, I mean, yeah, I, I still think Batgirl yeah. is going to get her time. I just think her time would have been great with Joss Whedon. And really quickly, I think this was a political move. I think Warner Brothers was getting it from all sides. DC people who weren't happy with Justice League didn't want to blame Zack Snyder or Warner Brothers for some reason. So they wanted to blame Joss Whedon, who came in very late in the project to help clean it up a little bit with Zack Snyder's blessing, who hasn't gone to bat at all for his supposed buddy, Joss Whedon. There's also a vocal minority of people who think Joss Whedon is a total phony and fake feminist and all sorts of terrible things. And him doing a Batgirl movie in this culture, in this country, people want a woman to do it. And that's fine. It's not Joss Whedon's fault that he's an amazing director who loves Batgirl and probably had a great vision for it. So he came up with a I lame mean, excuse they, and left. I think you know what will make us both happy is if they hire me to write the Batgirl film. <laughs> I think I that even, that is a win-win care. situation. Here's the problem, Brett. <laughs> even though, I don't have any even though between Joss and you got me very into Babs, my enthusiasm was a combination of you and Joss Whedon. And you could probably keep really? me enthusiastic if that project starts happening again. But it's, I don't care if it's a woman or a man, black, white, 
purple, brown, black, yellow, rainbow colored, whatever the fuck who you get to direct Batgirl. There's only a handful of directors who are as good as Joss Whedon in the genre out there. I still think the two Avengers movies are two of the three or four best comic book movies ever. And I rewatched Captain America the Winter Soldier recently, which I say is one of my favorite comic book movies. It's very good. It's not as good as the Avengers movies. Not even, not close in the same league, in my opinion. And so, you know, I just wanted to see a great movie that would have had Batgirl, who's a great character, but I don't trust Warner Brothers. And I do trust mm-hmm. Marvel more in terms of quality assurance, but I just don't like the new characters. I'm not into Spider Man. I don't care about Doctor Strange. I don't care about Ant Man and the Wasp. I could get into captain marvel but i'm not like a huge brie larson fan i know nothing about captain marvel very disappointed in netflix we won't talk about jessica jones i'll get through that series we'll talk about it (laughs) but the rest of the netflix characters i really not that into other than i kind of like luke cage but only in the orbit of jessica jones um not on his own um and uh you know i got star wars and honestly one star wars movie a year for me is just fantastic and after Tomb Raider and a bunch of like very up and down comic book movies the last few years, yes, Black Panther and Wonder Woman were, you know, historically great and important, no doubt. And those were in the last year, calen- uh, last, you know, 365 days. But overall, not been thrilled with either studio in the last few years. Happy to have one great Star Wars movie a year. And, you know, I, I don't think it's I'm getting jaded about blockbuster movies. I think there was just a golden age period for a few years. Where we were getting really good stuff from the comic book studios, from mm. Star Wars, from other, you know, other areas. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, so, um, what are your uh, final thoughts? You can. I'm, I, this will really be the final word because I got to sign off here and get some sleep, people. Um, uh, I need uh, to get some lunch. You need to get some lunch. Bizzle needs to get some sleep. You can talk about final thoughts of Tomb Raider. You can talk about like things that Tomb Raider made you think about movies in general, or like movies that you're looking forward to coming up. This movies this year, whatever well, you want to talk about. <laughs> If you want to look at movies that I'm excited for, head on over to Brit Girl in my top five anticipated films for 2018. Actually, you know what I am ticked off about? Uh New Mutants has been moved to 2019. I told you that. And that ruins my 2018 video. I told you that in our last podcast, Brit Girl. (laughs) You didn't listen to me. I told you it was moved. (laughs) Um, All right. We'll give us a tease tease of one of your movies that you're excited about. And then tell us where we can go listen to the rest. Um, well, tease. I've always loved Pixar and Disney films, so I'm very much looking forward to. <laughs> can you guess it? No, I just love you and Alistair are so bipolar on Disney. Alistair more than you. Yeah, yeah. you well, you, I, you openly like Disney, and you're just skeptical of Marvel. Uh, Alistair claims he's suspicious of and dislikes Disney, but then he constantly likes Disney movies. It's hilarious. <laughs> But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to Incredibles 2. I think the trailer was very mm. interesting. I think they pretty much just flipped it on its head. And I think that's okay because, yes. I don't know, I'm ready while. for some uh, from ready for some more Elastigirl and, and uh, Mr. Incredible. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. Oh, especially looking forward to Edna Mode. So do you Starling. believe... No Kate Starling. So mm-hmm. we'll end on the philosophical question related to that. Do you, do you indeed believe that if everybody is special, nobody is special? As the Incredibles one purported to believe, maybe. See, that's an, that's that's an interesting quote because the thing is, there are so many ways to be special. So why can't everyone be special? Because, okay, so you know it's not actually correct grammar to to add a um, um, superlative to the word unique. 
like people say, oh, that's very unique or it's really unique. That's actually incorrect English. It's either unique or mm-hmm. it's not. Unique means one of a kind. Like that's the definition yeah. of unique. You can't be very unique or a little unique. You're either unique or you're not. So yeah, so it may just be semantics about the definition of special. Mm. I just, I think like, look at it in this sense. You are, your skills are very, very special in the sense of um, podcasting, hosting and all that. My skills aren't i'm still learning but my skills are very special when it comes to video development and i guess script writing so there are different ways to be special so to say that if everyone was special no one is special Hmm. you discount the many ways that people can be special and alistair and i are are happy to perpetuate the myth that you are not special in podcasting so that we can keep you to ourselves yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think podcasting is my future. I will I will strive to be good at when I when I am doing it, but I um You are meant for greater yeah. things. I am meant for greater things. <laughs> Hire me for the Batgirl film. <laughs> or for Batgirl. <laughs> as Batgirl or Stunt as the writer, as both. Put me as the director. Heck, I will play the villain as well. I why uh, the hell not? <laughs> all right, Brent. Well this was great medicine. You kept me going much longer than I thought. This was great. Um, yeah, you know, laugh is the best me- medicine, and you know, I'm I'm happy to be laughed at. I um, yeah, I I I was worried that you would be disappointed or something that I didn't love Tomb Raider, but I think you you have a very nuanced, more than me view of of the movie. I I got hung <laughs> up on a couple things, and I just couldn't get over it. So that happens sometimes when you watch movies. Um, it does. Cavill's mustache. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but you totally missed the CGIing of Alicia Vikander's mustache. Oh! Oh. She's gorgeous, let's be honest. She is. She's a beautiful She's going to be doing okay for herself. That Academy Award winning, stunning Alicia Vikander. God bless her. Still best in Ex Machina, though. One of the greatest movies of of the millennium. Mm, that is a very good film. Again, so, something you can dissect and read into. Let's get more of these films, people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Also, three of the most attractive people on the planet, if you include Donald Gleason and Oscar Isaac in that movie. with Alicia Oscar Vikander. Isaac is a chameleon. I can't say he's attractive in that film, but I can say he's attractive uh, in... Um, Poe Dameron? Hello. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He yeah. wasn't attractive in Ex Machina, and he wasn't meant to be. Yeah. But as Poe, hey. oh, son, hi there. You are a good buddy. You, you, uh, you're much closer with Alistair than I am, so you know just as well as I do about the power of, of the Poe Dameron. Of the, the smolder. That's the unintentional sm- smolder. smolder, suave, beautifully chiseled, charismatic the man. The light curl to the mm. hair that just... Mm. Just lands perfectly. Oh, mm. darling, stop it. Uh, that Guatemalan Romeo. <laughs> um, all right, Brick Girl, thank you so much. Um, I'm trying to think, barring other topics. I don't know. We'll see if we have enough to talk about with the Infinity War, I suppose, um, after that happens. Oh, we also have Deadpool coming up, which could be really good. Mm, well, I mean, they're doing the same thing that, uh, you know, Gal Gadot did and Charlie like, <laughs> did, crossing that arm. That is the secret to a great superhero film. That's true. And to be fair, Ryan Reynolds was 
on the immediate bandwagon <laughs> when the movies came out of both Wonder Woman and Black Panther because I follow his Twitter feed. He was yeah. there like a fanboy both opening weekends and in a very atypical, totally non-sarcastic, ironic way praised both of those movies. I remember when Wonder Woman mm-hmm. came out, he was stunned and he was like there opening night for Black Panther. So he is a legitimate fanboy. So God bless him. Oh, yeah. Gal Gadot even called him out on it. Oh, yeah. And he was just like, hell yeah, I copied you. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't I? Yeah. Bless that man. And bless that woman. Oh, well, she's already blessed. Yeah. <laughs> Can't give her all of it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, people. Well, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Brick Girl. Um, really quickly, drop websites, social media. Check me out. Oh, check me out. Yes, I'm lonely. Yeah. Check me out. Um, check me out. Go check out my video. Tinder. I mean, on Twitter. <laughs> Twitter. On um, yeah, Twitter, I'm at Brit underscore snippets. On YouTube, I am Brit Girl. One, that's one word, capital B, capital G. Uh, you can find me on Instagram as well. Those links are in the bottom of my video. So it's just easy to get started on my YouTube channel. And let's mm. get me over 500 subs, guys. Yes. I'm at 495. Yes. Year of it's year of 1,000 subs for the Brick Girl YouTube channel. Mark it here, people. 1,000 minimum by the end of this year, people. Let's make it happen. As <laughs> if I don't get a job. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, this is an employment? What? What are we doing? I don't get paid. <laughs> I'm waiting for my check still. <laughs> Me too. Um, all I'm right. having interest, by the way. Uh, thanks to Brick Girl. Thank you to Bizzlecats listeners. We'll be back at you soon with more coverage of everything nerdy. And for the moment, we are out.